you know, the beauty of Jewish life is that it's a never-ending process. That's what makes being a Jew so special. Um, you go through a year and it culminates with the Rosh Hashanah and the Yom Kippur and uh, beautiful Sukkot, Shemitah, Simchas Torah. It uh, reaches a crescendo with, uh, you know, finishing the Parsha, reading Zos HaBracha, uh, and without even a second delay, we go right for Bracious. We, we end Zos HaBracha, but we go right back into Bracious without, without any break whatsoever because the message is very, very clear. We finish Zos HaBracha, we said the words Yisrael. with those words we ended Sefer um, Dvarim but the very next Aliyah we call up we call up the uh, the person for for Bracious and we get right back to it and it's really it's a beautiful really never ending cycle of growth of reconnection of restarting and that's what we're doing right now uh, we are in a sense approaching this long summer break, as the Kodesh Baruch Hu said to the Jewish people during Shemini Atzeres, you know, I, I want one more day, the, your departure is hard, I don't want to see you go, I'm not going to really see you back in your intimate uh, connection to me till Pesach, it's a long gap, we have Hanukkah, we have Purim, but it's really a long gap between that special Yontav called uh, Pesach, and if I want to spend one more day with you, and uh and I mentioned it's really something that uh, I think is certainly very appropriate is really there should be a response. We don't know that there isn't. Um, we only know from Akash Baruch Hu's point of view, he says, stay with me one more day. Give me that Shmini Atzeres because I want you with me one more day. But really our response to Akash Baruch Hu back should be, Akash Baruch Hu, don't worry. I'm not leaving. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not going to let this these next six months or so be a time where I'm slowly going to be drifting away from you, where I need a Pesach to get back. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm here every step of the way. And just like we get back into Bracious, I'm going to get back right into my mode of growth, of focus, of connection. And I'm going to use this time as we, as we as Jews always do. We really, uh, that is, I think, the built-in answer to Yes, Pesach is special, and Pesach is a chance to reconnect in a maybe very, very special way, but every day for a Jew is special. Every chance uh, that we have, we wake up in the morning, and we say Moda'ani, and we say the Birchas HaShachar, and Olkan Shama. we are expressing our appreciation for you creating us. And Parshas Bracious really reinforces and opens up our eyes to exactly what that means. Because there are some very, very incredible ideas in, in uh, uh, say, for Bracious. The entire Chumash, of course, really of Bracious. We'll maybe touch upon that. But one that I wanted to cer- certainly focus upon, because it's very fundamental to what we call Sabotka Musr. Um, Musr has many different components to it. Rabbi Sol Slanter, in a sense, started the Muslim movement, but it's been sort of moved into different directions over the course of the last 150, 175 years. And Sabotka so Musr is a, is a Musr that I'm very familiar with. It's connected to the Chavetz Chaim Yeshiva. And it's a, it's a type of approach to life that reinforces the inherent greatness of a human being. And specifically the inherent greatness of a Jew. And this week's Parsha, which is sort of laying down the foundational principles of what this world is about. Uh, the very first Rashi makes it very clear. Rashi tells us, 
Why did God make this universe? Because of Rashis. What's Rashis? Rashis is a reference to the Torah, and Rashis is a reference to the Jewish people. Rashis tells us that I, I made this world because I have a vision and I have a mission for mankind. And the, at the head and at the helm of that mission are the Jewish people. And the only way they can fulfill that mission is because of another Rashis. Something also at the helm and, and at the very top echelons of, of uh, human conduct, and that's the Torah, which teaches us how to behave and how to act. So, number one, the Torah lays down very quickly exactly why made, God made this incredible universe. And he also told us very soon after those psukim, right at the very beginning of, of Perik Beis, he tells us, blew into Adam Rishon the essence of life. And it's really important to remember I don't quote the Zohar that often, but there's a very famous Zohar that needs to be remembered by all of us. And the Zohar says, Man de nofach, nofach. When, you, when a person blows into something, when you take a balloon and you blow it up and you have a big balloon, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. What's in that balloon? Think about it. What's in that balloon? Well, the answer is very simple. The air of the person who blew it up. That's what's in the, inside the balloon. So isn't it amazing that Kodesh Baruch Hu uses the word Vayipach Ba'apov, Nishmas Chaim, Baruch Hu blew into Adam Rishon. It means HaKadosh Baruch Hu blew when you blow Midilei Nofach. You're blown from what you have internally in yourself. HaKadosh Baruch Hu literally blew into Adam, which ultimately is all of us. We all come from Adam Rishon. He blew into every single one of us, Nishmas Chaim, the, the spirit of life. That means within our spiritual component, we just were discussing that, uh, we were just discussing that with the, some of the 11th graders yesterday, the idea of you know, the special nature of who we are and how special we are and that we're godly, we have a spiritual sense. We literally, it's not mere words, it's not hyperbole, this is the reality. We have godliness within us. And that godliness needs to sort of be the anchor of our mission, to recognize how special we are, to, anchor, to recognize that we have a very specific goal of bringing Kiddush Hashem into the world. I don't want to sort of belabor what's not going on as far as Kiddush Hashem in the world. There are things that are going on, unfortunately, uh, uh, on the East Coast that seem to be the exact opposite of, of, of uh, Kiddush Hashem. Our job is to always focus upon who we are, what our mission is, and how do we accomplish that mission. And even though it's interesting, even though the Torah was, well, I'm sorry, God created the world because of Klai Yisrael and because of the Torah, right? These elements, the three-pronged concept of God, Torah, and the Jewish people. It's a very, very fundamental concept of the anchor of the, of the entire universe. That's why God made the universe. It's fascinating, though, that Rashi points out that it's not, we don't get to the Torah really until Shemos. The very first mitzvah, is really in Shemos, maybe one, one or two others, but essentially, begins the Torah. So why do we have all of these preambles? So Rashi makes one point about, about uh, making it clear that God runs the world, he owns the world, he made the world, and he can give it any part of the world to whoever he wants. And if he gave the Jewish people Eretz Yisrael, they get Eretz Yisrael. But really, Rashi didn't complete the picture right here. I mean, that tells me why I need voracious maybe why i need this concept of god creating the world what about the entire safe what about safe vibrations why do we have to go through an entire safe vibrations when the real torah begins with the 613 commandments 
and certainly the famous answer given girls, and it's something that we need to remember, especially as we're still, I don't like to reference COVID all the time. I, you know, sometimes we're all already COVIDed out, but it's really, it's COVID, it's life. It, it's just whatever HaKadosh Baruch Hu throws our way. We need to remember this fundamental principle that there is a safer voracious before safer Shemos. Why? Because there are Herod's Torah. Because there are principles of life that have to precede even the most important elements of the world. God made the world because of Klai Yisrael, because of, of, uh, of the Torah. But, it, but before you even can get to that, you got to go through safe abrasions. You got to learn about our, our ancestors. You have to look, learn about their lives. You have to look at safe abrasions and even abrasions. It's incredible, girls, that the Midos that are being taught almost everywhere you turn. It's an amazing thing. Now, the Rashi tells us that the, there are six days of creation, and then, of course, the seventh day was Shabbos. Well, on days two, three, four, five, two were devoted to heavenly aspects, and two are devoted to uh, physical aspects here down, down on earth. On the first day, HaKadosh Baruch Hu created Shemayim Varetz. So in the first day, there were both spiritual elements of the heavens and, of course, the physical world. So then you have four days where it balanced out. So if the sixth day was only physical, well, then physical would dominate. If the sixth day was only spiritual, then the spiritual would dominate. So God had to make the sixth day balance the first day to make it all parallel. Why? And that's why he created man, because man is a combination of the spiritual elements of God, the nishpas elakim that we spoke about, and also the physical elements of God being made from, from Adama, from the earth. So why did God have to do that? What's wrong if the score is three to two? What's, what's the big deal? You know, if there's a little bit of an imbalance. See, so Rashi says, because I didn't, God says, I don't want to put kinna into the world. I don't want to put jealousy into the world. I don't want to inject that element. I don't want it to be sort of an imbalance. That's why when you think about it, Shemayim, which is the very first thing God created, is a combination of Esh and Mayim, where God is teaching us the principle of peace. Where Esh and Mayim, which are two opposites, they can get along. And they, they became the, the, the foundational principle of, of the entire universe. And I can't have, he says, jealousy either. I can't have a lack of peace. That's why Shemayim needed to be created from Asian Mayim. I, gotta, I have to show the world that, yes, even opposite forces, even though people maybe don't get along, people who maybe have opposite um, you know, personalities or some type of uh, tension, no, they can get along. If fire and water can get along, then two people can get along. And if, if, if peace is so important, then how can I allow jealousy to sort of be part of the, the creation of the world? I have to balance things out. The first and the six days are both. Second and fourth balance the third and the fifth. So now there's perfect symmetry. The world is at peace. There's no kin in the world. What an incredible message again. You know, we're, we're so caught up sometimes. We're so looking at somebody else. We're, we're uh, competing with the Joneses. We're looking at what, you know, who has what and whose car, who has this car, and who has that outfit and who has, uh, you know, uh, I don't know, this brand new uh, phone. Who's, uh, who has more likes, you know, with the crazy social media world. There's so much going on about com- competition and looking at other people. Hashem's telling us, kina. Jealousy? There's no jealousy. There's no room for jealousy. I went out of my way to make a balanced world, to make each person realize your life is balanced. You have what you need. 
You don't have to look at anybody else for, for what they have. There's no reason of, of looking and longing and desiring other people's possessions. Because Baruch Hu is only relating to us in our world. Everybody else has their own world. They have, they have their own peckle and their own, their own needs and their own uh, challenges. I don't need to look at anybody else. Kim is a is a mida is a mida. I don't want to go there. I don't need to even think about it because it's just going to bring me down. And Akash Baruch Hu incorporates that message into the very fabric of the creation of the world, the creation of the universe. And one other point, which is just also so fascinating when it comes to this idea of of, of midos, one of the most powerful statements that are made in this week's parsha. so many are made, so many incredible lessons. But, but God uses words that Rashi points out never should have been used. It, it, he uses words that give room for a person to make a mistake and to think that there's more than one God. When Rashi says, when, the, when Hashem says, Nasa Adam bitsalmenu kid musenu, let us make men. What do you mean, let us make men? When you use the expression, let us, that sounds like God is talking to his... Uh, is a friend, his buddy. That means what? There's more than one God? There's, there's two gods? There's three gods? How do you say such a word? Why would you do that? And Rashi gives us the incredible answer. Yeah, there are people who can make a mistake, but the answer, HaKadosh Baruch Hu definitely writes enough times that there's only one God in the world, that if you want to know the truth, you'll know the truth. There's only one God. But why give room for a person to make the mistake? Because the word Nasa is an incredible word. It's a word that implies humility. He consulted with his angels. He consulted with the other heavenly beings about making men, not because he wasn't sure, not because he needed their help, but he was teaching us something so profound that even God consults, even God talks to other people and gets advice and gets feedback and, and has that humility to, willing, to be willing to say, you know what, I'm not sure, I don't know. Not that he really didn't know, but just the, the way you speak is so critical. And the quality of, you, of humility that, a, that a, even a great person should be willing to ask somebody else for an opinion. What do you have to say? Give me some advice. Uh, I want to know what you think. What an amazing message of, of how humility is so important. These aspects of derech eretz, the idea of being nice, the idea of being sensitive. I know these are things that maybe we are uniquely challenged by, you know, being at home and just, uh, you know, the various things that, that are sort of right now dictating our lives to, to, to one degree or another, where we can't sort of live in this so-called normal way that we're used to. And sometimes, you know, our style is cramped and our, our, our uh, privacy is cramped and, you know, it could easily, you know, the, the shalom could be disrupted or the jealousy can get in or, or maybe uh, it's hard for me to keep my humility when I'm so overwhelmed by all these different things going on around me. This parash is reminding us, this is big stuff. As important as the Torah was, and why this entire world was created was because of that Torah and its symbiotic relationship with God and, and Klai Yisrael. Before you even get to that, you got to be a mensch. Before you even get to that, you have to remember that there's, there are midos involved in making the world that even precede the Torah. Derech Eretz Kodmol Torah. There's an, an amazing story. You know, I can argue, we can debate it, but... Uh, you know, I, I would say that, you know, uh, certainly up there in the most critical events uh, of the 20th century, um, especially as it relates to the Jewish people and its miraculous ability to rebuild Torah, 
because we were devastated. 1945, everybody wrote us off. Whatever Hitler Yamakshamoy wasn't able to do, we're just going to be too downtrodden, too lost, too forlorn. Uh, we're done. We're done for. They all wrote us off. The world wrote us off. It's just going to take a little bit of time. And yet somehow not only are we not written off, but it, it, you can argue we're back in a certain way in terms, in terms of numbers of, 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 of the Torah and schools and Kolalim and all the things that are going on. Uh, it's, it's beyond words. It's beyond miracles. And one can argue that the most single, single most important event of making that happen, we can debate it and we can, I'm not a historian, but I, I, I think I have some good ground to say that the fact that the mere yeshiva of 400 students was taken out of Europe in about 1939 and saved, and they had this incredible trek through, uh, through uh, the Far East of China and Japan and, and, and uh, ultimately end, ending up in Shanghai and then ultimately coming to the West Coast and uh, eventually getting to either America or Territory Israel. These 400 amazing people who made up the Mir Yeshiva, some of them, are the, some of them had Rosh Yeshivas of the greatest stature and they survived. And of course, all the students, uh, they became incredible leaders. And you can argue that the most significant uh, catalyst to the rebuilding of Torah was the Mir Yeshiva being saved and being able to transplant Torah to Eretz Israel and to America. What's amazing about that, and I think, you know, certainly it's up there as an unbelievable miracle and an unbelievable event that, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu protected us and allowed us to rebuild. What's really amazing about that whole story is that very few people know how it got started. How was it that this Japanese diplomat, uh, Sugihara, I think is, Chune uh, Sugihara was his name. How did he end up with the willingness and the vision to save the Jewish people and to write out those, those, uh, those visas that allowed them to escape, literally at the risk of his reputation, maybe even his, his, uh, his life, because uh, the Japanese government was not, was not willing to do that. And yet, as a diplomat, he just did it, and he didn't care. And he put himself at, at, at grave risk. How? Why? Why did he do it? So the, the backstory, which is so amazing, I just think highlights this idea of, of how, how HaKadosh Baruch Hu chose to save the Mir Yeshiva through the actions of a young boy, a young boy called Sali Ganor. And Sali Ganor uh, was a kid who, uh, nice, cute Jewish kid, and he, uh, he uh, was very motivated one day to take all of his money. I'm not I'm going to cut the story short. Uh, he, he was motivated one day to take all of his money and give it to somebody who came knocking on the door talking about the Jews in Europe and what, how much they needed and uh, what they needed and uh, what, their, what the horrors that they were going through. So do you have any, can you give some tzedakah? See, he was so, made of, so motivated by this Jew. He went to his little pushka box. He opened it all up and he gave the Jew all of his money. And which is a great act, a selfless act for a boy, maybe he was 10 years old, not 11 years old, whatever. And so Hanukkah time came, rolled around, and uh, Sali Ganor wanted to, uh, to, to have some uh, Hanukkah gelt, but he didn't have any because uh, he used it all up. He had some money saved for, to buy a Hanukkah thing, maybe. I think he wanted to go to a Laurel and Hardy movie uh, that was uh, showing at that time. Anyway, he goes to his aunt. He goes to his aunt at a very high-end store of, of food. And he says, you know, says to his aunt, you know, how are you doing? You know, I, I have Hanukkah vacation. I was hoping to maybe go somewhere, maybe, you know, see a, a, a 
Laurel and Hardy movie. Anyway, so she says, well, you know, I don't know. And in that store, buying some food for himself in this very high-end store was Shune Sugihara. He was in that store. And he's overhearing this little kid, Sally Ganor, talking to his aunt. And he says, oh, uh, you can use a little money? Uh, can I... I can I can give you some money if you want to watch him go to a movie. I you know whatever you know small amount of money it was. Says, I can give you some money. He's oh, no, I, I would, Sally says I would never do that. I can never um, take any money from you. I don't even know you. He says well, what do you mean you don't know me? Uh, consider me a friend, and uh, you know you know me now. We know we know each other. So he says well, you got a point. I guess we now we are friends. Okay, I'll, uh, that's so nice of you. Thank you so much. And he took the money from. Shune Sugihara, whatever it was, let's call it a dollar in order to get into a movie in 1939. Uh, then Shuni says to him, I mean, I'm sorry, then, then Sally says to Mr. Sugihara, he says, well, you know, if, um, if you're now my friend, because now we're friends and that's official, that's why I took the money, you know, um, our, my family makes a Hanukkah party and Hanukkah is, is coming up. Would you please come to our Hanukkah party? And he, Shuni had to say yes, because that was the deal. We're friends. Well, if you're friends, well, then you got to... And he came to the Hanukkah party. And he was, he was very impressed with the family and the Hanukkah. It was a beautiful Hanukkah. But at that particular night, at that particular party, the way God runs the world, a Jew knocked on that door. And Shuni Sugiara heard a Jew that escaped from Poland. This was in Lithuania. And he escaped from Poland. And he... And he um, he uh, went to this house and he spoke to the Ganor family and Shuni was there hearing the horrors of what was going on in, in the Polish area of, uh, of Europe and what, they, what, what was going on with the Jews. He was so moved that, that from that night on, he became a different person. And he said, whatever it's going to take, I'm going to have to do whatever I can to save the Jewish people. And he literally saved about 800 to 1,000 Jews, 400 of them who are the members of, of the Mir Yeshiva. And just to stop and to think that here's a kid who he's not giving him any big uh, lessons. He's not uh, sitting down and you know doing something dramatic with him. He's simply saying, now that you're my friend, why don't you come to our Hanukkah party? He was nice. He showed Derek Heretz to a, to a nice person. And from that, Akadosh Baruch Hu wove this incredible path for the Jewish people to have Torah transplanted to the 400 people of the Mir Yeshiva. It's many, many cases of, of, of these types of stories happen when people do the right thing. They make a Kiddush Hashem. They express their Eretz in, in a beautiful, sweet, wonderful way. And of course, Baruch Hu, through those actions, as simple as they might be, the whole world becomes a, a different world and the whole world gets turned over. Their Eretz Torah. So girls, it's, it's a wonderful thing to take with us as we embark on this new journey, this new year. Tavshin Payalev, with all of the uh, the incredible opportunities that it presents, with all its challenges, yes, included, if we can take this message and realize this needs to be the anchor of our lives as we build in Torah to reinforce the idea of Derech Eretz Kadmula Torah and bring that into our families and bring it into the people that we know to constantly make a Kiddush Hashem, Bez Hashem, we'll have an incredible year. We'll go Michael Chayol, and that's Chus, will be Bez Hashem, Bezocha, to be a Samashach, and here we may. Have a beautiful Shabbos.